the earth with authority. We talked about how Jesus was approved by the Father, how he was afflicted in the flesh, and how he was given full authority over the kingdom. And we looked at, at the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness and how he overcame Satan and he overcame affliction. And we know that according to Matthew 5, 4, 1, that, that Jesus went into the desert to be tempted by the devil so that he can live that perfect life and become that perfect sacrifice for our sins. And now he's come to redeem his people and to rule the world in a way that Adam could not rule. And that ultimately Jesus calls us to repentance and faith. And like I said, we're going to be continuing in the book of Mark this week. We're going to be looking at, at verses 16 through 20 and, uh, and kind of what happens when Jesus calls and how he calls with authority. But if you can just with me stand, we're going to be reading God's word as we've been doing just standing. We're going to be in verses 12 through verses 34 in Mark chapter 1. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in this gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And they went on to Capernaum. And he immediately, on a Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught, he taught them as the one who had authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was an in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was laid ill with a fever. And immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and her fever left her, and she began to serve them. The evening, the sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Father God, we come before you, Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that we serve a God who, who rules over all of creation with authority. That when he speaks, even the demons listen, Father God. We thank you for sending your son to die on our behalf. Lord, we ask that you use this time together that we have in your word to convict us, Father God. To show us the areas where we're lacking faith, where we're lacking discipline, Father God, where we're not serving you wholeheartedly. Chisel away those areas that we want to hold on to, that we don't want to let you rule over, Father God. Be with us today. 
Lord, use me to just edify this congregation, Father God. May the words that I say, may the words that I speak come from you, not from any selfishness in me, Father God. Use this time to grow us. Use this time to bring us closer together, to grow us in our knowledge of you. Lord, eliminate any distractions when we take the next several minutes to look at your word and what you have for us, Father God. Bless this time together as a family. Bless the rest of this day. In your name we pray. Amen. So as I said, we're going to be looking at Jesus and his authority. That he, he teaches with authority. He speaks with authority. And you see that all throughout the Gospel of Mark. You saw in, in some of the verses that we read that, that as he speaks, the demons follow and they listen. He doesn't even allow them to speak, it says. And you see it later in Mark, Mark 4 where, where he commands the seas. And you see that, that Jesus really is ruling the earth with authority. So we're going to be looking at that. And that's kind of what Mark focused on throughout his whole gospel. But today I just want to focus on, on really Jesus' authority over man. Really in two areas specifically. His authority over us when he calls us and his authority when he sends us out. So we're going to be looking at, at that specifically on, what, on how Jesus calls man and how he sends them out. But before we get there, just to give you guys a little background on what's going on here, we see that Mark really goes from, from the baptism of Jesus to his temptation, then straight into his ministry at the Sea of Galilee. But that's not how, how, it, how fast it goes in some of the other Gospels. And when we look at Luke, specifically Luke 4, we see that time elapses. That this doesn't just bang, bang, bang. That, that, that Jesus is actually in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. We see that in, in Luke 4, and that, that, he, that he's fasting this whole time. And as I said, that, that Matthew tells us that he went into the, to the, to the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. That was his purpose. Show his authority, even over sin, over, over all the supernatural, over all the natural. He's just ruling. So we see that, that, that he wasn't just quickly. He didn't go from his baptism to his temptation to his ministry. Because he had to have walked back from the, the Jordan to the Sea of Galilee. And we see that Luke, that, that, that he does some stuff along his way, that he's rejected in Nazareth, that he heals demons and other people. That's in Luke 4, 31 to 41, that he preaches in the synagogues. And all of this, according to Luke, was before he even calls his first disciples. I say all that to say that, that most likely when Jesus comes and, and he calls Simon and Andrew, when he calls James and John, they might have already heard of him. It's not like they don't recognize who Jesus is. As we see in, in John 1, 35-40, Andrew was actually one of the followers, one of the disciples of John the Baptist. He was there when John declared him the Lamb of God, when, he, when John declared Jesus the Lamb of God. And he decides, who, and he decides to follow him. We see that in John 1, 37, that him and another guy followed Jesus just to see who he is. Well, who is this Lamb of God? What is John saying? And so they spent some time with him. They would have known about Jesus a little bit. Right? And then he also says, in the Sea of Galilee. Why, why the Sea of Galilee? We see that the Sea of Galilee, this area, is going to play an important role in the Gospel of Mark. It's really kind of where everything takes place for the next eight chapters. And it's really not a sea. That's what, what, what Mark calls it. But, but in Luke, he calls it the, the Lake of, of Gennesaret. And it's really, that's what it is. It's really just a lake. It's 13 miles wide, 7 miles long. I mean, 7 miles wide and 13 miles long. It's just a lake, but this is where Jesus does his ministry for the first part. And we learn 
commentary. So this is this is a big operation that's going on here at the Sea Galley. It has 16 different harbors. It's a booming industry for the fish industry. It's the main source of meat for the Mediterranean at the time. So there's a lot. It's, it's a heavy populated area. And this is where Jesus is choosing to do his ministry at. Some historians claim that, that Josephus, at, at the time of the, the first Jewish-Roman war in, in 60 AD, that he came to the Sea Galley and he seized 200-plus boats to use them for the war. That, that just sitting at this big lake are 200 boats. Say that to just say that this was not just a regular lake, that it's a booming business, thriving business of, of the fish industry. And that is just, Jesus, this is where he's choosing to start his ministry. As I mentioned, John and Andrew and Simon might have heard of Jesus already. So, so they knew who he was. They knew that, that John the Baptist called him the Son of God, the Lamb of God. They spent some time with him. At least on one occasion, maybe a couple of days, just listening, kind of observing who he was. And that, that we assume that they returned home after John the Baptist was, was, was arrested. And now they're back. They're in the region. They're being fishermen. They're taking care of their business. And then some guy, Jesus, just comes. And he calls them. And that's what we're going to be focusing on. It's really verses 16 through 20 on how Jesus calls. It takes me to my first point that Jesus calls with authority. When he calls us, when he calls men, he calls us with authority. We see this in verse 17. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The literal translation here is come, get in behind me, fall in line, come right now, get in line, let's go. And this is drastically different than what they were used to at the time. You don't really see any prophets in the Old Testament calling people this way. The rabbis didn't call their students this way. The pupils looked at the rabbis and decided who they wanted to follow, and that's how that happened. But the rabbis didn't call anyone. They didn't have any authority. John the Baptist did not call his followers. They heard what he was teaching and decided they were going to follow him. But that's not how Jesus works. He calls. He says, come, follow me. Get in line. He calls us with authority. Only, the only authority that only the Son of God, the King of Kings, could call us with. Like I said, it's literally, come, get in behind me. This is, this is an imperative. This is a command by Jesus. He's saying to them, come right now. They would have understood this as a command. They wouldn't have understood this. They don't really have much of an option, but they just fall. They would have understood this as a full-time call to ministry. They would have had to leave everything behind. It's not like they're coming and they're, they're getting into a part-time apprenticeship. No, this is a full-time devotion. And they understood this, and they did not hesitate. It says that they immediately left their nets and followed him. They understood. They understood that, that, that Jesus calling them meant that this was a radical renunciation of any family ties. They're leaving their business. If you look at James and, James and John, they left their father behind. They were a part of the family business. They, they have a successful business. If you look at verse 20, it says they left them with the servants. So they had people working for them. And the man, the king of kings, the son of God, comes and calls them with authority, and they drop everything and follow him. This is the type of call that Jesus has over our lives. As, as our Savior, he calls us to this radical renunciation of everything that we used to know. We see this again in Mark 8, 34 to 35. 
when he's looking at the crowd, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it. It's this idea that, that when Jesus calls us, he calls us to a radical discipleship. That this isn't just a regular teacher-student relationship. This isn't just a regular apprentice relationship. He's calling you to be a disciple, to be fishers of men, he's saying. And being overwhelmed by the power, being overwhelmed by the authority in which Jesus calls them. All four of these men fall in line. They left everything in the middle of the workday. I picture as Andrew and Simon, as he calls them, they're in the middle of casting their nets. These nets were huge, about 10 to 20 feet wide, and it was a big circle. I casted a similar net once, literally once, because it did not go well. And I never tried it again. And so I just picture when, when he calls them, they, they cast these nets out into the ocean or to the sea, to the lake. And then as it falls, they have to pull it in. And the way I envision is that as soon as they cast out, as soon as the net hits the water, Jesus calls them. They don't even bother pulling it back in. They just fall in line as Jesus says, come and follow me. We look at, at James and John and they're mending their nets. This idea that, that they had to, this was a tedious, they had to sit down and take this big net and go through every single knot and tie and make sure that it's tightened. Make sure that there's, if there's any holes, they replace the holes. If there's any debris, they remove the debris. You couldn't get to business without first mending the nets. This was something that perhaps not everyone wanted to do, but that it needed to be done. And so they're doing this job without mending the nets. You can't cast out the net to go fishing. And in the middle of this job, this important task, James and John just gets up as God calls them and leave everything behind to follow Jesus. And this is the type of calling that he has over our life. When he's called us, he's called us with authority to leave everything that we've known behind, leave the things that we used to be about, the things that we used to do, the things that we used to love behind to follow him. They're so overwhelmed by his grace and love. They're like, they, like I said, they've, they've heard of Jesus. Most likely they heard of the work he's been doing. Some, Simon and Andrew, they heard of him. They saw him. They spent some time with him. And they're so overwhelmed that the fact that, that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, will call them that they just leave everything behind to follow him. They were so overwhelmed by that grace at that moment. It's like that first moment where, where you feel the weight of your sin, where you understand that, that, that there's nothing you can do to satisfy the wrath of God because we're wretched people. And that Jesus came and he died for your sins. And you're so overwhelmed by that grace. You're so overwhelmed by that love that it just brings you to tears. And I imagine that's what's happening. They, they're seeing, they understand who Jesus is. They understand what's happening. And they're just overwhelmed by the authority in which he's speaking that they just leave everything behind. And that's how Jesus calls us. When he calls us, he calls us with that same authority to just leave everything behind and follow him. Follow him and, and give him your life. Renounce everything. Jesus doesn't just cause us with authority. He, he sends us out with authority. So he says, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. So 
He's, it's gonna happen. If, if you fall in line, if you call yourself a disciple of Christ, then by default you are a fisher of men, that he's gonna make you that. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be a fisher of men? As Alex mentioned last week, and this is, comes from Jeremiah 16, 16. It's really in, in, in that aspect, it's gathering people to be judged. You go out and you get all of Israel, those who've been having idols, those who haven't fallen in line, who haven't kept the commandments, and you bring them together to fall under condemnation, to fall under punishment for their sin. But that's not exactly what Jesus is talking about here when he says, I will make you fishers of men. This that same idea of, of gathering people, of bringing them together. But it's bringing them together to tell them about the good news of the gospel. That's literally, as we talked about in, in, in Mark 1, 1, that that's the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Who he's not calling us to, to bring people, to judge people. He's calling us to gather people, bring them, and lead them to him. To share the good news to them. You see, when Jesus calls us, he doesn't just cause us into just a, a, this, this idea where you just got to sit and pray and learn and study your Bible and go to church. And that's all you do. That when he calls you, he also calls you to action. That, that as Christians, we're not just called to just sit at home and pray and read our Bibles and think that's all we need to do. That we're called to be fishers of men. We're called to go out and evangelize, to gather people. He calls us to action. We don't just keep the good news to ourselves, but we are to share it with people. We are to bring people to the good news. We are to, to lead them to it and let God do the rest. We're called to gather people, to share the good news. That's what it means to be fishers of men, to share the gospel of Christ with man. To let them know why we choose to come every Sunday and sit and worship and pray about who Jesus really is, about him coming and dying for their sins. We don't just keep it to ourselves. This is we, we, one of the most well-known verses, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the, the Great Commission. We often just go from verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. But we often forget verse 18, where he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's the reason we're sent out, because he has authority. He reigns over all of earth, over all of heaven. And because of that authority, because of who he is, we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe and obey all that he's commanded. And he says, and I am with you to the end of the age. Jesus says in Acts 1.8 that the, the, the reason that we've been given the Holy Spirit is so that we can be witnesses. He doesn't call us to a life of complacency. He doesn't call us to a life of, of laziness. We're called to gather men. We're called to go out and preach the gospel in our works. Preach the gospel in our neighborhoods. Preach the gospel in our schools. Lead people. Share the good news with people. You cannot consider yourself a disciple of Christ if, if you're not going out and gathering people. If you're not going out and sharing the good news with people and, and leading, wanting to lead people to Christ. Christ. 
Jesus in John 15 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. This idea that, that he calls us to live a life that's active, live a life that's bearing fruit, that, that we're, we're becoming more like Christ each and every day, that the sins that we once knew are no longer true. We we're making progress every day. We're called to point people to the light. See, this, 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 this idea that, that he's calling us with authority and sending us out with authority to discipleship with a purpose. That he has a plan for us. As it says in Ephesians 2.10. That we are to, to work out, and James, we are to work out our faith with fear and trembling, that, that we should be active in our faith, that we should be seeking to live and glorify God in every area of our life. Not just in private, but in public as well. Notice these men just immediately left their nets. They didn't hesitate. They didn't ask to get things in order. They didn't say, let me figure this out first. Jesus said, come, and they went. We are to do the same. We've been saved by God to, to bring, to share his news with people. If you've truly been changed, if you've truly been, been changed by the love of God, if it's come and impacted your life, we should be wanting to share that with people. The joy that we feel because we know that Christ died for our sins, that no matter what we do, when God looks at us, he sees Christ and his righteousness. We should be seeking to share that with people. Cause us to, 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 to discipleship with a purpose, to, to disciples, to extreme discipleship. It's this idea that, that, that the things that you once, the, the person who you once were, you no longer are. That people who haven't known you for years, if they, if they come to meet you after you've met Christ, they shouldn't recognize that person. The things that you once loved, the things that you once were doing, you no longer have an interest in. There's instances where we're, we're all throughout the, the Gospels, people are denying Christ. They're denying their, their, I mean, they're denying their fathers and their family. That they give everything up to follow Christ. That they no longer are worried about the things that they used to be worried about. They just want to serve and follow Christ. That's the type of discipleship that he's calling us to be. That he's calling us to. So Jesus calls us to be fishers of men. And really that requires two things. It's a renunciation of your former life. You're saying the person who I once was, I no, no longer am. You repent of it, as Alex said last week. Repent, believe, and follow. You repent of your former life. You repent of all the sins that you once committed. And you say, God, I want to follow you. I want to live my life for you. And you believe that he sent his son to die for that and that it is sufficient. That you no longer have to worry about it because Christ already did everything on your half. And you follow. Follow God. You follow Jesus. And he now, he takes precedence over your livelihood. He takes precedence over your work, over your family. That Jesus is above all things in your life.
disciple second. Being a fisherman, being a disciple of Christ, it requires work. You have to be praying for people. I know this is kind of hard, but, but you also, you have to talk to people. You can't be a disciple of Christ and not be willing to share and smile and ask people how they're doing and share the good news with them. We should be inviting people over. We should be on mission in our neighborhoods. We should go out on walks and meet our neighbors and greet them. Invite them over. Have a neighborhood barbecue. Have a neighborhood Christmas party. And invite people over. Let them feel the warmth of your home. Let them see something different. And when that opportunity presents itself, share the gospel with them. We should be inviting people to church. We, we want to make this place a place where you feel comfortable inviting your coworkers to where you can go out to your community, visit with people, invite them to church. And if that's not, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, let us know. Because that's something we need to work on. We want to do that. We want to be a place where, where all our members want to invite people to. And if it's not that place, talk with someone. Talk with someone in leadership. Because that's a concern of ours. If, if, that's, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, then we need to fix something. We need to make this place a place where you invite family members, you invite friends, you invite your co-workers so that they can come and worship and hear the good news presented to them. They can hear the gospel presented. Realize this, you are now, by Jesus calling you, a disciple of the King of Kings, disciple of the one who has full authority over all of creation, that when he speaks, the wind, the seas, they listen. Demons, they, they, they scare off at his name. That you serve a God who reigns over the earth and who reigns over the heavens. And that all things fall under subjugation to him. That is the God that you serve. That is who you are a disciple of. That should lead us to action. And we are in, in we are in discipleship of Jesus, as one commentator put it. We are in relationship with Jesus. We are in active. We should be actively promoting His mission, and we should be totally committed to His cause. That's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. It's committed to the cause of Christ. It's to be on mission for Christ, and it's to be in relationship with Him. If you don't have those things, then we need to talk. He calls us with authority and he sends us out with authority. We are to be fishers of men. We are to gather people and share the light with them. Share the good news with them. You are called to live a life that's on mission for Christ. A life that's reaching people, that wants to share the good news with him. So I hope this week as we go out, as the opportunity presents itself, as we're at work, we let people know who we serve. We, we share the good news of the gospel with our coworkers. We share the good news of the gospel with our family members, with our neighbors, with our children, with our spouses, whatever it may be. You just share 
the good news of the gospel with people because that's what we're called to do as followers of Christ, as disciples, to be fishers of men, to be gathering people, to be leading them to the light so that they can experience the love, the mercy, and grace that we experience each and every day that we wake up knowing that that new mercies are for us. That each and every day that we wake up, God has given us a new breath and he's forgiven us. That's what we need to be sharing with people. That should be our goal. Father God, we come before you, Lord. We thank you for this time that we have together. God, we, we acknowledge you for who you are. You are the beginning and the end. You rule over this earth. You speak and stars come out. Lord, that you were there at the beginning and all you had to do was just speak and, and, and everything started happening, Father. God, that is how powerful you are. That you reign over all things in heaven and earth, Father God, and we serve a great God. We serve a great Lord. Father God, we pray as we go out this week, we be reminded that you call us to be fishers of men, that you call us to a life that's active, that we're to be telling people, sharing the good news that we have, that you have sent your son to die for our sins. And for all those who believe, Father God, we now have, we've now been forgiven. We've now been made righteous before your eyes because of what your son did on that cross. May we not choose to hold on to that. May we choose to share that love, share that grace, share that mercy with people, Father God. May you rule over our lives, not our fears, but you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.